Hello, and welcome to From Under the Rock, a podcast about movies for movie lovers who probably maybe haven't seen all of them. Is that you? Don't worry, we got your back. I'm Sawyer Payne. And I'm Ben Wessels. And tonight we are watching a monster movie. But who's the monster? Is it the man or the creature that he builds? Yes, it is 1994's Frankenstein, directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Kenneth Branagh as often is the case mm. in his movies. Yes, he plays Victor, and he is uh, joined by just a amazing cast. Have I introduced myself yet? No, I don't think I have. I'm Sawyer Payne. I think you might have, but just in case, I am Ben Wessels. And he's Victor Frankenstein, Kenneth Branagh. Give him a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> Commerce. Amazing. Um, you may know him as... You may know him as Hamlet. You may know him as a certain teacher in a franchise that shall not be named. Mm. Um, if you do, cool. You are familiar with his work. He is joined in this film by uh, Tom Hulse, Helena Bonham Carter, Ian Holm, John Cleese, Richard Bryars, Bryars excuse me, and Aidan Quinn. Ben? Interesting. You've read the book? Have you read the book? I have not read the book. Okay. Well, good I thing am familiar to... with the story. Well, more or less. Don't worry about it, because this is considered the most faithful adaptation of the original 1818 novel, uh, Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, by Mary Shelley. Uh, uh, Written and directed, I should add, or directed and written, going in that order, uh, by Kenneth Branagh. Mm. Perfect, perfect triple play, actor, writer, director. Uh, But he didn't produce it. It was produced by Francis Ford Coppola, uh, whom you may know as the director... Of Dracula, same decade, Gary Oldman. I believe he did that one. Ah. Uh, he did. He did Dracula, uh, and I believe he directed The Godfather too. Did he not? He did indeed. Yes, indeed. One of these things is not like the others. However, uh, all three of them are about monsters, arguably. Mm. Um, music by Patrick Doyle. And interestingly enough, uh, there was a nineteen ninety. There was a video game. Uh, based on this film, re- released uh, to home consoles in 1994. Ben, I want to find that video game. Very fun. Yes, absolutely we must. Yes, indeed. Although, uh, I feel that I have gone on very, very long now by this point. Ben. Having not read the book, having not seen not seen the film, what are you expecting? Um, what are you hoping? I'm not sure. I... I... Like I said, I'm familiar with the story, um, but uh, certainly not all the details and intricacies. Mm. Um, So I'm excited to do a bit of learning one of the classics. And uh, it sounds like quite the cast also. It very much is. And I'm very curious who is going to end up being the monster. Um, I have a theory based on... I think there was someone you mentioned who you may have left out deliberately. Uh, so Did I? I will not, uh, oh, I didn't write him down. Is, is it not... Or is he the monster? Who's he? Uh, De Niro. It is. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned to me via text that De Niro's in this movie. Yes, I'm he? sorry. I didn't write Robert De Niro in my notes, and that was entirely accidental. Uh. I meant to put him in, but yes, you are correct. Robert De Niro... <laughs> Plays Thought it the might monster. Have been a little nice, a little surprise or something. No. Um, but uh, oh, there it is. There's my notes. I just didn't even but, write it down. There you go. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I guess I don't know. 
I don't really have any expectations beyond just that it's Frankenstein or, yeah. you know, it's actually Schrodinger's monster, isn't it? Um, Pavlov's monster, all the, all the Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> jokes. It's actually his monster. Uh, I, I, I expect a faithful adaptation like this will not stoop to such humor, but if it does, I will be very no. pleased. Um, well, I say no, but I cannot say. I've seen this movie. I've seen I've seen this movie precisely once, hmm. and it was very many years ago. I remember enjoying it. Hmm. We will see if that remains the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, a lot of lot of interesting things they do in the creation of the monster. I will say hmm. um, that I think are. Are interesting. I do. I do wonder. Well, I will leave that for for after. Um, Fair enough then, because that's probably when I would begin the cross analysis of the book and all of that. Mm, so, yes. so let's leave. Let's leave things in their appropriate places. And um, anything to add before we we get started? No, sir. Cool. Let's go watch the movie. Let's go watch a scary movie. <laughs> No one need ever die. I will stop this. No, you can't achieve death. We won't know unless we try. I warn you, what you are suggesting is not only illegal, it is immoral. What's happened to you? Welcome back. Um, we've just finished Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Indeed. Uh, which could also be called Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. <laughs> um, before we get into the plot summary, which if you've read the book, you know. Um, ben, thoughts, feelings, emotions? Uh, mostly just, wow. Uh, I didn't... I, I mean, I know it's a horror story, but um, really... At, well, for, I mean, first of all, the movie was very well done, mm. I thought. Um, but also, yeah, I don't think I realized how 
horrifying the story is. Like it is, it's it is terrifying. A, it is a well, but this is the thing was that like uh, maybe mm, two thirds, three quarters of the way through the movie, somewhere in there, uh, something happened, and I I, re- I wrote in my notes somewhere. I was like, it's. I don't know. I don't feel like, I and mean, I guess terrifying in more in more of like an existential mm-hmm. nature of man sense. Mm-hmm. But I like, yeah, it just struck me that like it's a horror story in the sense that it is horrifying, not mm-hmm. necessarily in the sense that it is scary. Right. It's just so many bad things and and mm-hmm. sad too. Really sad. <laughs> I, I knew that there that that was definitely like an element of the Frankenstein story, but mm-hmm. still, it was striking. Yeah. Yeah, that's first uh, blush reaction. Anyways, anyway. cool. You hadn't read, and remind me, you hadn't read the book. No, before. Okay, uh, so just to reiterate, this is uh, considered to be the most faithful adaptation, um, and I may reference events in the book if I remember them correctly. Um, I will say, I th- I think I could be wrong. One of the things, if not the only thing. Um, that deviates from the book is Victor, Victor's second experiment, you might say. Mm. Um, I don't believe that's in the book. Okay. Um, but we'll get there. Mm, indeed. Uh, so we start in, uh, in true, uh, true, true, true to the book, uh, after a brief prologue where I believe it's supposed to be Mary Shelley telling you this is a horror story, there are things about men and things that are not so good and bad. Mm. Um, true to the story, we start um, in 1794, uh, in, the, in sort of the, the, the dawn of, ex, not exploration, but like science is, is being um, kind of catapulted forward uh, at this point. Um, and we start in the Arctic Sea aboard the ship of Robert Walton, uh, Captain Robert Walton and his expedition uh, to find a route toward the to the North Pole, mm. uh, and it is established uh, that they've been at this for weeks, if not longer. Mm. They haven't found anything. It's getting cold. It's 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 terrible. Mm. The crew is on the verge of mutiny, and and the first mate even says so. Mm. You know, if we don't turn back soon, you may not have a ship anymore. And Walton obsessed. He is he is the subject to whom Victor will speak. Um, as, you, as you read the book, you take the position of Walton as Victor is telling you this story of why you should let some mysteries be. Mm. You should not follow your obsession to madness. Uh, and that is something I'll, I'll echo in a second. Um, as Walton tells him, uh, amidst a storm, amidst ice closing in, uh, as it runs aground in the ice and is surrounded by, by ice, uh, I have not come this far to stop now. Yes, back, back in an era when exploration offered a, you know, a chance at immortality. Right, he's, he's, exactly. He's lusting after that. He's like, oh, all these men can die, but if we succeed, we'll, our names will be in history forever. Perpetuity, yes. Um... And as the storm sort of abates a bit and they find themselves trapped in the ice with nowhere to go, there's a great moan on the horizon, in the distance, and you can't see anything for the fog. And 
they do see something. They see a, a great shadow stalking towards them, and it is revealed that this great shadow, made smaller by as it as it draws nearer, uh, is a man in furs and 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 with what's left of a sled, um, and his dogs, um, and as he he asks Walton and, 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 and his men for help, uh, the dogs uh, are spooked. They break, they break free, they run off into the mist. And Walton and his men go to try to, try to try to stop them. And Victor says, no, leave them. They're already dead. And content warning, you hear and in some cases very quickly see, not, not gratuitously but you can you can see hands you can see dogs hitting the ground you can see things like that something out in that fog in that ice kills the dogs and something approaches yeah the uh, the only content warning for this film really is just violence mm-hmm. uh, gory violence mm-hmm. Uh, and and Victor once again uh, appeals to Walton that he should turn back, um, and as Walton again, as you say, uh, references the 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 shot at perpetuity, the shot at immortality. Victor asks him straight from the book. Oh, many of these lines are are straight from the book. Mm. Do you share my madness? And. When Walton asks him, who are you? He replies, my name is Victor Frankenstein. He waits a little for the title drop. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then, but then he tells his story. Uh, and I rem- in, in, in the book, the first chapter of, of Victor's story is, um, the line is, I am by birth uh, a Genovese. But we don't do that. Uh, we go right to Geneva, 1773. Oh, my favorite year. Um... <laughs> Something's happening in Boston that year. Mm. Um, and we meet a very young Victor, who's no more than eight, nine. He's young. Yeah. And he's dancing. You, you, you can see immediately that he is um, the scion of someone with money. Uh, he's, he's dressed very gorgeously. They're all very well dressed in a great kind of hall, center hall uh, of this house. You see... Um, uh, two two servants, uh, a mother and her daughter, Mrs. Moritz and, and Justine Moritz, it will be revealed, uh, playing the, the piano or the harpsichord as Victor dances with his mother. Um, you know, a cute thing, and she, she showers him with compliments. Oh, what a wonderful, clever, smart, handsome boy that you are, Victor, the most wonderfulest of boys. And the door opens, the great door opens, uh, and in walks uh, a young girl, uh, not so neatly dressed, she seems to have uh, been quite, th- quite through it, uh, as a well-dressed man, uh, played by Ian Holm. Bilbo um, Baggins. Gandalf. Um, no, but that's exactly who it is. You will recognize him as Bilbo Baggins. Um, uh, enters with her, uh, and this is Doctor, actual Doctor Frankenstein, mm. Victor's father, uh, who is a a a, a well-respected physician. 
uh, and as evidenced by certain events in the movie, really beloved in town. He's 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 someone that people really love and admire and respect. Um, despite his great wealth, or perhaps his wealth comes from that. People trust him. Uh, it is it is meant to say. And uh, as he introduces this young girl to Victor, uh, you see that his is a kind heart. Uh, he says, you know, uh, Victor and, 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 you know, Mrs. Frankenstein, the good, the good Frau Frankenstein, um, Caroline, I believe her name is, uh, is in on this. They've discussed this. Um, and he says, you know, this is Elizabeth. In the book, her name is Elizabeth Lavenza, but I don't know if they mention the last name mm. in the movie. Anyway, this is Elizabeth Lavenza. Her mother and father were taken by, um... Was it smallpox or cholera? Because cholera is important later. I think it was cholera. It was was it cholera? Okay. Uh, you know she she is an orphan now, but uh, her father was a friend of mine. We're going to look after her. I want you to think of her as your sister. Hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, I made a face there. Yep. Nope. And it's well warranted uh, because we cut to um, at least ten years. Uh, possibly even longer, because Victor is now no longer a an eight or or nine year old. He's, I think, in the books he's supposed to be closer to eighteen or nineteen yeah. off the college, but it's kind of thrown makes- So he's like, we'll say twenty five. Yeah, probably not. But <laughs> anyway, by this point, um, he is um, a, 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 a scholar. He's he's not yet gone to you know university, but he's he's certainly um, been learning. He's 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 bookish. He's constantly indoors reading, studying. He wants to follow in his father's footsteps. He wants to be a doctor. That's all he wants. And you see, Elizabeth has grown as well into the the always very beautiful uh, Helen and Bonham Carter, um, who makes it clear that it is her responsibility. To get him outside and have him enjoy the day. Mm. And uh, by this point, uh, Victor's mother is again pregnant. Uh, happy day. Another young Frankenstein is on the way. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> young Frankenstein. Wait, wait. <laughs> um, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, no, but another young Frankenstein is on the way. And uh, yes, they go, they go out and they enjoy the day. It is meant to uh, to, to, to describe, to explain... To show, uh-huh, show, don't tell, mm. that Victor's life up until this point, up until the point of the inciting incident, has been a happy one. Mm. Not without its struggles, for sure, as any family has, but he's got a mother and father who love him. They're very successful. A sister eh, who loves him uh, and who he very clearly adores. Uh, sister, friend, Companion, yes. Some other things. In Some there. other things that we'll get to. There's, there's a real what are you doing step bro element here. But mm. again, as you say, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, um, sorry. And and the <laughs> book, the book goes into that a little more. And he's like, I'm always very possessive. But anyway, um, but during this outing, during this family outing, um, Caroline. Buford Frankenstein, Victor's mother, uh, falls ill. She she collapses, and uh, we cut to um, uh, Victor and Elizabeth down in the in the hall, kind of waiting this out. What's going on? What's happening? Uh, Doctor Frankenstein himself 
shirtless, shoeless, covered in blood, is delivering this baby. Um, as as it, it, it seems she has been forced into an early uh, early labor. Uh, and it's just not coming. And she tells him, you know, cut me, save the baby. And he does. And we cut to um, him walking down the stairs. Again, shoeless, shirtless, covered in blood. I was a little curious about that. I wasn't sure why he needed to be shirtless or why even he should be. You know, no idea. Seems insanitary. But I'm, I'm sure it's to keep it, the it, shirt clean. I don't know. Maybe. It's a anyway, dramatic image, though. It is. For sure. As, as he stalks down the stairs, like, moaning and telling himself, almost t- telling them, but to, almost to himself, too, I did everything I could. I did everything I could. And Victor runs up the stairs, followed by Elizabeth. The baby has survived. Amazing. It's being held onto by uh, either a midwife or um, another member of, of the, the staff, the, the service. Um, but... Mrs. Frankenstein is dead. And uh, as in the book, this is the incident that drives Victor to exclaim that no one should have to die. This need not happen. And we cut to just about three years later as um, uh, Victor is about to go off to college in uh, Ingolstadt. He visits his mother's grave and, and voices the same. You know, I will fix this. I will stop this. No one's going to die anymore. Um, and from there, the movie moves very quickly. Um, it's established that, um, you know, Justine, Elizabeth, and Victor have grown up together. They're very, very good friends. Um, and they all they all celebrate together at a ball. A, a ball held at House Frankenstein, Chateau Frankenstein, the estate. Um and as as the, the 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 dance concludes, and Victor's been dancing with Elizabeth, and Justine's been having a fun time, but giving Victor eyes, um, uh, Doctor Frankenstein halts the party. Not you know halt, but he 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 gets up for a, a Bilbo Baggins speech. Um, he gets up for a speech, and he says, and 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 he, and he tells the audience why you're here. Uh, yes, we are here to celebrate my dear boy going off to college. He's going to be a great, great man, noble man, excellent doctor. Uh, my only regret is that his mother wasn't here, but I do have a gift from her. And he presents Victor with a leather journal uh, that, that um, his mother had intended him to have when he graduates. Uh, and the expectation, uh, the, the, first, the first line in it, is this is the journal of Victor Frankenstein. The rest is blank. But the expectation is that this will be filled with the noble deeds of a noble man. But before he goes, uh, Victor needs to say one more thing to a certain somebody. And um, he asks Elizabeth, so, stepsis, uh, how do a brother and sister say goodbye? And she says, well, maybe they don't have to. And it's almost a kiss, and then it is a kiss, because Victor asks her to marry him. And I mean, technically they're not related. It's still weird. It's, but I guess it's customary of the time, maybe? Yeah, I, I don't think it's too weird at yeah. all, really, for the time. It's more just how frequently they reference that they are brother and sister, yeah. but also lovers. But also lovers. Um, 
It, but it does, yeah, it, I mean, that's fair. It does have a very, like, sort of European monarchy feel to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and again, this is 1793 um, yeah. by this point. Um, and, and, and in a good, a good natured way, he says, okay, yes, we're going to, you know, you want to be my wife? Absolutely. Cool. Let's get married. Come with me. And she says, I want to. But I can't. Because ever since your mother died, this house has not been alive. Let me fix that. You go off, you become a doctor, a proper doctor, you graduate, you do your noble deeds and noble and all that, and I will be here making this a home you want to come home to. Making this a house. Which I think, you know, as is the time period, it's like, okay, the woman's doing the, the womanly things, the house-making things. But I, for one, kind of like that choice. Where it's like, I adore your father. You've got a young sibling, Willie. Justine's here. This is where my life is, and you will be back. You So, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't against it. We come then to uh, Ingolstadt, the University of Ingolstadt. Uh, in 1793, um, as the, the the first thing Victor does uh, when he gets there is find a living space, uh, and he 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 rents out um, what is described as just a bit of attic space, but it's it's is big. Yeah, one might almost be able to fit a um, you know a laboratory in there. Yeah, um, as he says, you know, oh, I hope you don't mind, Mrs. Lane. I forget her name, mm. um, but uh, there will be. Equipment coming. Mm. Is that okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get it up here. Yeah, maybe just a bit of attic space to them, but that's like that's a full one-bedroom apartment that, is... that someone would charge twenty-four hundred dollars a month for it nowadays. I do. I do wonder what that would go for <laughs> in that day, especially to a college student. Yeah, um, I suppose maybe maybe not quite that steep, but as uh, as does come up later on in the story, yeah. landlords evil now. Evil then, too. Evil now, evil then. It's true. Except this lady. This lady, she, she seems She fine. seems very nice. And she has, apparently, just the sweetest dog. Mm, yes. Um, uh, as evidenced by Victor's first uh, letter home to Elizabeth. I'm afraid I've fallen in love. And, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's got brown hair, whatever. And she, her, 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 her tail wags when she sees me and everyone's going, huh, what? Uh, and he describes, you know, it's a dog. Her name is Putsy. Yeah, and she's some adorable. weird stuff there, Victor. Yeah. And, and everyone's like, oh, it's a dog. It's, it's cute. It's wonderful. That's very, very sweet. And then he writes just some lascivious stuff to mm. Elizabeth. Like, P.S., by the way, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> um, I, I miss your body. I miss your body. so many words. Uh, and young Willie is like, can I read it? And she's like, no. <laughs> Probably not. No, you cannot, boy. Um, and then we get to uh, Victor's, what could be Victor's first day of school. We don't really know. Um but right out of the gate, he is challenging his professors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, again, it's it, again very faithful to the book, where um, the, the professor, his name is Kremp, uh, states that knowledge is power only through God. The greatest mistake that a student can make is to have an original or creative thought. Do not think for yourself. Think for your patients, because only science can... can help you preserve life only science only science 
And now people who may not be familiar with the book or, or this movie may think, okay, so what's the problem? Victor Frankenstein was all about science, right? That's the whole thing, mad scientist. Victor Frankenstein is not interested only in science. He is interested in philosophy. He is interested in alchemy. He's interested in the, the ancient ways, the old ways, things that, that challenge intellect and that modern natural philosophy or modern science no longer tolerate. He, he throws out names like Paracelsus, uh, Albertus Magnus, Agrippa, names that Professor Crimp uh, decries as sorcerers, occultists, lunatics, and alchemists. And, and, and Victor won't have any of this. We see several uh, situations over the course of his, his college career where he is getting into heated arguments with this professor. It's interesting to me because, like, yes, he's the mad scientist and it's all about science, but, like, we do see this sort of intersection mm. at the university of science and god yes and this yes. idea that like and that's true of science universities at the time yes. yeah and, and it's this idea that like first of all you know it's almost alien for us today to see those two things on the same side of an argument but mm -hmm. it, it is this idea of like well science is what we know and what we know works and there's no room for like experimentation or like you know new medical discoveries like things other things that could work yeah so it is an interesting kind of I don't know, just balance. Because, like, obviously the stuff that Victor ends up doing is is a bit mad. Yeah. But he is kind of up against an institution that is, like, saying, no, 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 we're not going to make any more progress ever. This is the way and we're staying here. Yeah. And, I mean, he... I, I, I wouldn't even say that they're against progress per se, but the, the, the thing that when Victor first suggests that maybe... People don't have to die, or maybe life can be brought back, something like that. Um, Kremp straight up tells him, "Not what you're suggesting is not only illegal, it is immoral. And at the very center of, of the scientific progress is, yeah, morals as dictated by God. You know, any progress must fall within this sort of way of experimentation. However, not every scholar thinks that way. Here at college, uh, uh, Victor meets two people. First, Henry Clerval, who becomes his, his very, very good friend, um, who, who is played by Tom Hulse, uh, and admits he wants to be a doctor. He's just not really great at anatomy. Um, so perhaps one day he'll, you know, he'll pass his courses and become the sort of retainer doctor to very wealthy old women who have very wealthy young daughters. Um, and, you know, Victor chuckles at that, but he is preoccupied with another individual here, a man by the name of uh, Waldman, uh, who I believe is played by John Cleese, yes. uh, but you'd never recognize him except for the structure of his face, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, and, and his voice. And his voice. His voice is pretty unmistakable, but he does look very different. Yeah, but, but he's, not doing, you know, he's not doing Monty Python. He doesn't even really sound like John Cleese. He's, he's put something on. Um, slight affectation. Uh, he, he appears grizzled, he's got gray hair, uh, and he has been accused in the past of performing illegal experiments. He's the black sheep of the, of the college. And um, Waldman takes an interest in Victor. And 
exper and, 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 and the sort of experiments that he wants to do. He's the one that introduces Victor to uh, Eastern medicine, the idea of needles and acupuncture and the idea of energy within the body. And his idea is that, you know, uh, these needles, acupuncture, um, are the Eastern way of manipulating these energy fields. Uh, and it could be useful, as evidenced by the reanimated monkey hand that he has. He, he, he reanimates um, a severed... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a primate. I don't know what kind of monkey it is. Um, using electricity and, and these, these sorts of needles... And uh, it all, and, and as Henry goes in, you know, amusedly to go shake its hand, it very nearly breaks his wrist. Victor is able to to reverse it, um, and Waldman agrees to help him study this so long as they tell no one. Uh, meanwhile, letters continue to come to and from uh, Elizabeth. We come to a, a sort of break in philosophy between Victor and Waldman. Because Waldman is very happy to experiment with this energy, but when Victor suggests that we can design a life, that we can create a life form of our own design, essentially eugenics, hmm. Waldman says, no, we cannot. We absolutely cannot. And I know this because I've tried and the result was abomination. And he doesn't really go further into it than that. Because we cut next to the midst of a cholera outbreak. As Victor, Henry, and Waldman are administering vaccines. Hmm. Early vaccination. Uh, um, not technology, but, but, but medicine, philosophy. Uh, ideas. And it is the law. The, 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 the city, the town, has to be vaccinated. Waldman may not like the pus-filled, diseased man before him claiming anti-vaccine rhetoric, but it is the law, and you must submit to this. So the man stabs him, um, and, and Waldman is killed. This leads to Victor and Henry trying to resuscitate, trying to revive Waldman. They cannot. And um, a man just committed murder, and he is hung for it. Mm. Um, Not even, before screaming several things that I could have sworn I heard on Fox News. Just yeah, something about how doctors want to control you all. Doctors and kill are killers, and, and, yeah. and God will punish you. And... But without Waldman to tell him no, Victor breaks into Waldman's study, his home, the mm -hmm. place that they had been meeting, and he discovers Waldman's notes. His first attempt at creating life. And Victor believes, per Waldman's notes, that the surest way to avoid an awful abomination of a thing is in the choice of materials. He, he, he convinces himself that the body parts that he is collecting, as he as he as he as he steals the the the, the anti-vax murderer's body, as he steals Waldman's brain, as he collects body parts from cholera victims and harvests amniotic fluid from 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 midwiferies and and, and clinics, 
he convinces himself that everything he's collecting is just material, nothing more. And at this time, it's revealed that the letters that Elizabeth has been sending went out. She wrote them. The letters she's been receiving aren't from Victor. She's been writing them herself so that the family won't worry. Victor hasn't written her in months. And as she starts to have a little meltdown, uh, Justine tells her, you need to go to him. And as as Elizabeth's saying, no, he won't want to see me, etc., etc., Justine says, if he were mine, I would go. But he's not. He's yours. And you see, you can see some resentment there, but I, but it, it, it's not enough to make her mean. It's, it's, Victor's a heartthrob. Hmm. And, uh, or was. Um, and, and there's, there's clearly some envy there going on that will be exploited later. Elizabeth goes to Ingolstadt amidst Victor's experiments. He's, he's very close. He's figured out how to do it. He's got the combination of, of technique and materials. He's been able to reanimate a frog. A frog which, upon being reanimated, kicks its glass enclosure, enclosure and breaks it uh, because enhanced strength is a byproduct of, of this thing. Elizabeth shows up. Victor doesn't want to see her. Even as Henry is telling him, you know, the city's under martial law, people are leaving town, the cholera has been declared an epidemic, he won't go with Henry, he doesn't want to go with Elizabeth because he needs to finish this work. And she leaves him. And as she makes her way through the streets, Henry goes after her. Um, I don't know if it was ever clear how Henry knows her or recognizes her, but he knows her. Um, and I'm sure by this point some breaks have happened and Henry has visited. So anyway, um, Henry knows her well enough to go after her. Victor performs his experiment, his grand experiment, and creates life. Creature is made. And as he pulls it out of the birthing pod, they're kind of they're kind of slipping around and all this amniotic fluid as he's trying to get it to stand. And he looks at it finally and realizes it's hideous. And as he's sort of trying to he's he's, he's trying to prop it up with chains. He's not trying to chain it up, but he's trying to just get it to stand. Um and a a, a, a lever is pulled or something, but it is it is it is launched up into the air and suspended on these chains and it doesn't move. And Victor, distraught, uh, declares his experiment... What is it? Um, uh, he, he, he writes in his journal, uh, birth defects, enhanced strengths, malfunctional, pitiful, and dead. And he, de and he decides that everything that he has done must be destroyed, his journal included. 
but it isn't because as Victor is sort of coming to terms with all of this, he turns and, you know, sort of for like one more forlorn sort of glance and who should be looking at him but the creature. And Victor flees. Uh, he goes to get an axe. He's left his coat behind. He's left his journal behind. He goes to get an axe, and it is gone when he returns. The coat and the journal. The coat not and the, the journal. Not, not the axe. Yeah, he, I, I just had an axe. No. Sorry, uh, the coat just... and the journal are gone because the creature has, has in order to cover itself, the creature has, has donned the coat with the jacket, with the, the journal in the, in the pocket. And we see sort of a superimposed uh, voice of Professor Kremp saying, you know, did you really think that this wouldn't be an evil, evil thing? And evil will have its revenge. Uh, the creature hides. It tries to hide in plain sight as a, as a beggar uh, or a cholera victim. It eats rotten, dead things. Um, and when someone finally spots him trying to Again, he doesn't know better. He's just, he was born today, um, trying to trying to take some bread to eat. They see his face and they think he is patient zero. They think he is spreading the cholera epidemic, and they beat the living shit out of him. They they a mob is formed. They chase him out of town. He's only able to escape by hiding on a cart of already dead things, dead bodies, making their way out of town, and he he escapes into the woods. And we come back as um, Victor is revived by Henry. Victor has come down with pneumonia. He awakens in Henry's uh, apartments. Uh, and Henry, rather proud of himself, says, you know, I, I, might, I might make a doctor yet. Um, Victor hears a piano playing and discovers that Elizabeth is there. Henry had, had gone and retrieved her. Uh, and... Victor, now completely done with his work, wanting nothing whatsoever to do with it anymore, uh, tearfully reunites with Elizabeth. They, they, they reaffirm their love for each other. Uh, but there is one, one, one thing that um, as Victor is asking Henry, what of the cholera epidemic, Henry says, oh yeah, it's going to be really, really hard on the vulnerable, the poor, the hungry, the newborn especially will die. To which Victor, delirious, says, thank God. What do you mean, nothing? Um, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think he's delirious there. I think he's, I think no, he's perfectly but, cogent. I think, sure. he, I think he's like, hmm, well, I birthed a newborn of sorts today, yeah, and the daddy probably should die. I definitely don't want it running around out yeah. there. I think he he might he probably seems delirious, seems delirious to I mean. Henry, yeah. but uh, but he he knows exactly what he's saying. Uh, meanwhile, we return to the creature, uh, who hears a flute, a very nice flute, uh, in in the woods, and follows the sound to a cottage. And inside the cottage, he can uh, he can he, he hides in the barn among the pigs, and he can see into the house. Uh, and there's a family, uh, a farming family, uh, and. It's very clear that the family is on the verge of starving and ruin. It's too cold. They haven't been able to pull their crops out of the ground, and they don't have enough to last the winter. Um, 
but he likes the sound of the family. They're very happy, despite their poverty. And he likes to listen. Uh, the grandfather is blind. And when um, the creature, wanting to help, uh, goes out into the frozen fields and pulls with his immense strength, pulls all of the crops out and leaves them in baskets uh, in front of the, the family home, the grandfather says, oh, it must have been the good spirits of the forest. And, you know, um, father and mother are like, oh, don't tell the kids that. Like, we don't, we don't know what happened, but it's not that. But the creature learns the word friend while listening to mother teach daughter uh, on, you know, a chalkboard or a slate how to spell, how to sound things out. And he begins to read Victor's journal, which he discovers in his pocket. Um, some time passes. It's unclear how much time passes, but we, we next see Victor, Elizabeth, and Henry as the quarantine is lifted. Um, Victor and Elizabeth are to be married. They intend to be home, uh, to be to be married just before New Year's Eve. And um, you know, Victor... Victor says, well, you know, my dad's getting up there in, in years. I'm going to take over his practice as a, as a doctor. And, uh, well, Henry, I'm looking for a partner who's capable, who has just passed his anatomy course. And, uh, I don't know, do you know anybody? And Henry says, yes, of course, I'd be happy to. So it is, it is very clear that despite the trauma of childbirth, <laughs> uh, Victor is again... Victor thinks, you know, the the experiment is over. The creature is dead, surely. I can go back to what I was. Meanwhile, the creature is... I made this terrible mistake, but there were, fortunately, yeah. no consequences. Yeah. So I can just move on with my life mm -hmm. and pretend it never happened. Unfortunately, it did, though. The creature is very much alive, and over the course of this time, hiding out in the barn... Um, it has learned to read. It now knows much more than just friend and family and father. And as the children, you know, leave a, a, a flower and maybe and maybe some pastries out for the good spirit of the forest, Merry Christmas. Um, we cut to the next day or the the, the day after that, as the landlord shows up because this family, as I said, is on the verge of starvation and ruin. They have not been able to pay their rent. Um, well, father, mother, brother, etc., are out in the woods foraging or, or, or doing whatever business they need to. Grandfather and daughter are at home and the landlord harasses them. He, he, you know, he tries to, he tries to hurt the girl and scares her off. He tries to hurt the grandfather, uh, who, who doesn't leave because he's blind. He can't go anywhere. But the creature defends him, and presumably kills the landlord. Yeah, they, it's it's over yeah. very quickly. But uh, yeah, it it seems like that's probably what happens. There. Yeah. Um, but the grandfather says, you know, oh, thank thank you for thank you for helping me. I was wondering when you would come in. The grandfather, if 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 nobody else, the grandfather has been aware of the creature's presence for some time. Um, and, and, and shows him 
arguably his first deliberate act of kindness asking him you know i i can't see but i can i can i can touch your face and know what you look like and he does and his response is not one of disgust or horror it's pity he says oh you poor man do you have no friends and the creature says no i don't well there are some people they're very kind referring to the family uh and the grandfather says you know why why don't you go to them and the creature says, because I'm so very ugly, and they are so very beautiful. The conversation is cut short by the arrival of mother, father, brother, sister. The sister went off to go and get dad. And seeing, or he, having heard the landlord scream, and now seeing this hulking, scarred thing with granddad, out come the sticks, out come the clubs, and they beat him out of their house before deciding we need to leave now. Yeah, I kind of took issue with this. I don't understand. I don't get why the grandfather wouldn't have just explained to the family. I think perhaps um, he did. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he yeah. Maybe, tried. maybe he did it at a later time. Um, obviously, you know, some things just have to happen the way they happen for the yeah. sake of story. But, but. Uh, I mean, uh, and, you know, take issue with is, is probably a little strong. I didn't think it was bad storytelling uh, by any means. I just, I kind of took issue with the character's actions. This was, this was one of those, this was one of the first instances of the, of the movie and of the story of Frankenstein's monster really being like, yeah, this is horrifying, but this is also just so sad. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah. I think Victor wasn't prepared for fatherhood, and look what happened. Yeah. Um, and on that subject... Wrap it up, kids. On that subject, as the creature is sobbing in the woods, he goes again to the journal and finally comes to the entries detailing his own creation. And he realizes, as, as, as though he's never really looked at his body before, he sees... and. Surely he has never seen a mirror. Um, he sees the drawings, Waldman's drawings. He sees Victor's notes and realizes the extent to which he is horrible. And he... swears revenge on Frankenstein. He burns down the abandoned cottage and swears revenge on Frankenstein, and he walks. This man walks across mountains, the Alps, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, to get to Geneva, because that's where Victor's from. Meanwhile, uh, Victor and Elizabeth have just returned to Geneva. Happy, happy, happy betrothed. We're going to be married soon. Mm -hmm. And um, Elizabeth is showing off a locket that Victor has gotten her. And inside is an image of himself. Uh, and he said, you know, I, I, I couldn't afford a ring just yet, or I haven't been able to get a ring yet, but this this will do. And Elizabeth is over the moon. She's delighted by this. And Justine looks at it. And says, oh, it's a lovely likeness. It's wonderful. Everyone's very, very pleased for them. Young William, who, nine or ten, you know, the, the very young sibling, the the, the child that was, was born, um, says... You know, can I can I have the locket? I want to go show my friend. And Elizabeth says, 
well, yes, just, you know, don't be long and be very, very careful. And Willie runs into the woods and here's a flute playing. And this flute will become the sort of signature, signature tune, if you will, mm. that the creature is near. Um, and he sees the creature. The creature, again, to his credit, doesn't know who this kid is. Not yet, anyway. He sees the creature. The creature turns to him, smiles, or tries to. Hmm. And Willie is terrified. He, 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 he cries out. He drops the locket. He runs away. And the creature, again, mortified, tries to go after him, finds, picks up the locket, and sees Victor's likeness inside and realizes, oh. This child is important to Victor. Mm. All right. Crack knuckles. Like, let's go. Um, the day wears on. The evening wears on. The next time we see Victor and his family... Uh, actually, no. Victor's not even there yet. Elizabeth got there before him. Mm. Um, the next time we see Victor, he's riding in with Henry, being like, hello, yeah, it's news, surprise. And everyone's like, where is Willie? We've got a hunting party going on. We've got a search party going on. It's getting late. It's getting dark. Uh, I called, or I, 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 I wrote to, I sent a courier to his friend's parents. They haven't seen him. What's going on? And everybody, everybody, again, I, I, I spoke about how, how loved and respected Dr. Frankenstein is. Everybody's out looking for this kid. And as the evening wears on, we focus on Justine, particularly, who is distraught and exhausted and, and cannot help herself. But as it gets dark, and she's so tired, she's so tired, they've been searching for hours, the better part of the day, she just collapses in a barn on hay. She falls asleep. And we see the creature looming over her and puts the locket on her. Elizabeth, at the end of the day, finds Willie. And as the rain falls, Dr. Frankenstein's heart breaks. He's near catatonic when we see him. And in the morning, a constable shows up at La Casa Frankenstein and says, Hey, um... We've got the murderer, but you're gonna want to see this. Because there's a lynch mob happening now, and maybe you want to stop it, huh? Um, and by the time they get there, there's nothing they can do. Uh, the, the, the constable, Victor, Elizabeth, they're all, all out trying to stop this mob from lynching, Elizabeth, uh, from lynching uh, Justine. Who I don't think quite realizes what is happening. Until the noose is around her neck. Yeah. Well, and it's all—it's also pretty like thin evidence. Like yeah. they—they say they like they found her, or they like they found the murderer. Yeah. And it's a little unclear exactly what they're basing that on, other than Willie had the locket, and then she was found with the locket. I think there's some little thing thrown out, like, oh, she must have been distraught about you getting married because she wanted you, the whole thing. Hearsay at best. It's yeah. it's not good. But perhaps it's more nuanced in the yeah. book. But she's not taken to you know a hanging platform. They take her straight up to the roof, and they put the noose on. They they throw her off, and 
that's it for Justine Moritz, friends. Horrifying. Yeah. Now, two people have died. Willie and, and Justine. And... The creature... As, as, as they're returning home and, and Victor's going to be the last one inside, he's going to wrap something up or... Uh, send the send the constable on his way, or tell his manservant Claude to 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 go check on something. Outside the house, the creature confronts Victor for the first time and points to the you know really high peak in the mountains in the Alps, and he says, "I will meet you there on the Sea of Ice." And then he departs, and Victor. Gets his coat, gets his pistols, everything. Uh, and he won't tell Elizabeth what's going on. He won't tell Henry what's going on. He just says, I need to do this. I will be back when I can. And he goes off and he and he and he he properly treks up this mountain. He's he's got climbing gear and everything. He, you know, he's not just like up over the hill where it's cold. It's no, he's up on the peaks. And the creature attacks him. Uh not enough to hurt him, but enough to push him down into an ice cavern. Uh where finally they And I kid you not, this conversation is straight out of the book. Mm-hmm. Where Victor asks, you know, did you kill my brother? Is, are you the reason Justine is, uh, Justine is dead? And the creature tells him, when I killed your brother, I saw your face. You gave me these emotions, but you didn't tell me what to do with them. And now two people are dead because of us. Why? And Victor doesn't really have an answer for him. So the creature makes his... makes further argument that Victor truly didn't know what he was doing when he cobbled him together. He has the, he has the, he has the, the grandfather's flute and he says, do you know I, know, I know how to play this. Learning, speaking, talking, thinking. These are not things I learned, but more remembered. Are you sure that I am just made of material? Or is my character, what I am, based upon the memories or or the essence of the people from whom I come? And he finally and he gives he gives Victor his ultimatum. He says, What is it? There there's love in me, the likes of which I wrote it down yeah, because I, I wanted to look it up, and it is a direct quote. It is a direct book. quote, yeah. And, oh boy, uh, Mary Shelley could write. Uh, he says, I have within me love that you could scarcely imagine, and rage that you would not believe. And if I cannot satisfy one, I shall indulge the other. Yep. And so he gives Victor the ultimatum. He says, If you will make another like me, a female companion, one who will not be horrified by me because she is just the same, my bride and I will go to the far reaches of the north and there we shall live out our lives. You will never, ever see us again. Nobody will. And, uh, uh, what is it? Um, For the sympathy of one living being, I will make peace with all. Hmm. And Victor agrees. He says, okay, if, if, there, if there's some way that I can write this wrong, I will do it. 
and again he says you know elizabeth sorry <laughs> i have to postpone our wedding for like a month i'm not leaving i just i have to do this thing and she justifiably is like when the hell are you gonna tell me what's going on and why the hell are you wasting my time and is this is, you know what i'm leaving i'm leaving this house i don't care and victor again so absorbed in his work and in himself and in this creature begins to replicate his experiment and then the creature brings the body he wants reanimated and it's justine and as victor recoils with horror like i'm not gonna no i can't do this no the creature throws his own words back at him it's just materials remember what why why are you so repulsed and Victor, Victor rebuffs him and says, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I, I will not give you what you want. And the creature promises him, if you deny me my wedding night, I will be with you on yours. Victor catches Elizabeth at the door and admits that he's terrified. That he, he, he doesn't know what to do. He's done something so evil, so unimaginable that it, it, it has shaken him utterly. And Elizabeth makes him promise something. Marry me today, then tell me the truth tomorrow and tell me everything. Because no matter what you've done, if we're together, we can solve it, we can fix it. And he makes that promise. He does. They are married uh, in front of, of, of his father, who is still bedridden. Mm. Um, it's very, very happy. It is. Her her love for him feels somewhat unearned. But again, sure. not, a, not a storytelling critique. More of a just... I'm sure to some degree that's, you know, how it goes uh, in yeah. the... 19th century 18th century uh, by that um, point 18th century yep yeah. uh, dawn of the 19th yeah this idea that they'll you know once they're together they can fix it and and just, even though he hasn't been honest with her and she's still keeping it from her it is it is like a very romantic and idyllic idea like marry me today and tell me everything tomorrow but as idyllic as idyllic as it is it is still firm she has she has twice said fuck off I'm leaving mm-hmm. uh, and it's only because he's been on his hands and knees that she's she's stayed yeah. you know she doesn't she doesn't I mean she's she she puts up with him but like it's not like oh you can do whatever you want and I'll still love you she, she no she fucking no that's true she she calls him on shit yeah absolutely and and yeah that is the ultimatum it's like you're gonna be honest with me would you rather be honest with me as I'm leaving or would you rather have me you know, as your wife, your partner, like, what do you want, Vic? Yeah. Um, I know what I want. What do you want? Um, and as they are married and they go off to celebrate their, their nuptials and their, their, their honeymoon, so to speak, uh, it looks like a hunting party as they leave. It isn't. He's just got all his friends and all his, all his servants and, and, and Claude, his manservant, you know, they're armed and they're like, okay. I'm going to go ahead. You know, we, we, we were going to leave on a ferry. We were going to go somewhere. Mm. Last ferry's out, but don't worry. I'll ride ahead. I'll get your lodging secure. You'll be safe. You'll be fine. 
And as they're leaving the estate, we cut up to looking out, looking from inside the house, looking out, and we see that the creature's already there. The creature has just killed Dad. And he will follow. Uh, the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Victor and Elizabeth go to a lodge um, where they once more and finally for all declare brother and sister no more because we needed to be reminded of that uh and then they get up to the business which i will admit is fairly tame considering it's a lot of kissing a lot of a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of handsying but like only his shirt comes off yeah it's 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 fine um until you hear again as i mentioned the flute the creature is near and victor hears it and says, hey, sweetie, stay here. <laughs> Daddy's going to get his gun, and we're going to go do the thing. It's it's funny, too, because like she kind of smiles. like She doesn't know the context. Yeah. So she's just kind of hearing this music uh-huh. drifting in off the wind on their on the eve of their betrothal. And she's like, oh, and she's like she's, There's a little bit of a smile from her, but, and, but Victor's like, uh-uh, oh, no. Oh, no. It's bad. Um, I just, I, that, and that moment made me chuckle a little bit. As he leaves, he tells her to lock the door. She just kind of sits, like, lies back dejectedly in bed, like, well, I was going to get some. Um, <laughs> Very much has that kind I'm of real, I'm really kind of pissed. That shot, yeah. uh, And as she looks up, you see the creature, like, above her. It's like he's, like, hanging out on top of the canopy, which is weird. Yeah. Like, it's like there's, like, a net it's like or there's something. A, there's a skylight yeah. to, this, uh, to this hunting lodge or yeah. whatever it is that they um, are. But, but he crashes through, you know, the window's open. Uh, and he puts a hand on her mouth and she says, you know, he says, like, do not think to scream. And she nods. Uh, and he, he tells her, you know, you're more beautiful than I could have imagined. Um, I do not remember if in the book there is actually a conversation mm-hmm. between the mobster and Elizabeth. It might have been a play I saw where there was one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In this one, however... Before they can talk, Victor realizes what happens. He bursts in, gun out, the friends are there, and the creature reacts. He plunges his hand into her chest, rips out her heart, holds it out, and says, I keep my promises, before he dashes out the window, uh, bullets flying around him. And Victor, now having lost... Four, but thinking three, because he doesn't know about Dad yet, Mm. uh, to this creature decides, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to bring her back. Mm -hmm. Because that's the whole reason I got into this mess in the first place. Yeah, was to conquer death. Mm -hmm. But but just to clarify, he's not looking at this as, I'm going to do what the creature wants. I'm going to give him a bride so that he'll leave us alone. I'm resurrecting my own. Yeah, at this point he's like, all right, screw it. I'm I'm in too deep with the devil. I might as well just, you know... This is my wife now. I, you know. And she's disfigured, too, because you know, not only has he just ripped her heart out, but you know, as, as she falls from the bed, the lantern is knocked over. Uh, her, you know, she's, she's, her head is burned mm. a bit, somewhat scarred. Um, and as Victor is, is, is striding down his, his, you know, through his, his hallways, his house, with her in his arms covered up, Henry is saying, don't do this. 
you know, uh, and, 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 and Victor is saying, you know, if, if my father could have done this for my mother, do you think he would have? Uh, and Henry tells him, you know, your father's dead. And Victor finally realizes, as he says, there's nothing left to lose then. And Henry says, well, nothing but your soul. But Victor, Victor performs the experiment. He does it again. He replicates it successfully. Henry can only listen from the staircase, and he's, he's distraught. And as Victor tries to get his now very scarred, mutilated wife, sister thing, <laughs> to recognize him, who should show up at the creature, demanding her as his bride. Uh, and again, she doesn't quite remember what's going on. She, re- she recognizes both of them to a degree. She remembers dancing. She remembers the creature. And then she realizes what she has become and who did this to her. And she picks up a lantern, a very strong lantern, may I add, uh, and she yeah, this shatters is, this it, is, she immolates is, herself, and runs through the house. The house burns. Yeah, this is when we enter the the entire house. Surprise was built out of kerosene. Uh, right, sequence of the film. Right, but but yeah, she realizes that she's all disfigured. Um, I don't know. We didn't mention he puts her head onto Justine's body. Was my understanding of that uh, of that sequence? No, that's not how I saw it. Um, I, I believe because no. he, he removes her head. He removes her head. I think to to. And then we see Justine's head on the ground later. Oh, I must have missed that. Because well, because my thought was like he had made that whole talk about like you know replacing a heart with another heart like way early. Oh. So at first I thought he was going to do that, but then it's like well, no, here's this body that's more or less intact, and then he I just takes the meat, of that. he takes the cleaver and he lops off both their heads. Oh, I thought that was just for I thought I thought he removed the head just to. Yeah, that was never clear to me. Okay. I'm not certain. But That's I, wild, I, though. But I believe we see Justine's head on the ground. Like, it, we're, we, we kind of, we are, like, rolling past it with the camera, so it's very brief. I gotta go back and... But I believe, yeah, he puts her head onto again. Justine's body. Jesus. Okay, weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just to uh, make everything a little more upsetting. Anyway, as the house burns, we return to the end of our tale, the beginning of our tale, Mm. which is also the end of our tale, in the Arctic, as Walton is listening to Victor. And Victor says, you know, after that point, I had nothing. Everyone I'd lost, I'd lost everyone. So I followed this creature for months and months to kill him. Always north. Always north. And now, he's tired. He is very, very tired. And it looks like he falls asleep. Uh, but Walton confirms to his crew that no, Victor died. Just died there in the cabin. That was it. Um, but that couldn't be a true story, right? Surely not. And the first mate again asks, okay, well, what now, Captain? What are you going to do, having heard this story? And Walton says, we keep going. We're going to go north. And the, the first mate looks like he's about to throttle this man. He goes, no! <laughs> and then you hear the moan again. And everybody enters the captain's cabin and sees the creature, the monster. Again, just sobbing. 
sobbing next to Victor. Uh, and they ask him, you know, who are you? What are you called? And the creature reveals he never gave me a name. Well, then why do you weep? He was my father. A funeral is held out on the ice. They, they, they wrap Victor up and they put him on with, you know, to be a, a sort of a Viking funeral, if you will, a pyre to be set adrift. Uh, the creature's there bearing witness. He's sobbing. And everyone's kind of looking at this thing like, you know, why, Catherine, why are you uh, permitting him to uh, do this? He's like, he has a right to bear witness. Um, and then the ice cracks, finally. It warms up. The ice cracks. Um, uh, the torch is, is, is lost. It is, it is kind of dropped beside the pyre, but no one can reach it. Um, they all scramble back to the ship. Meanwhile, the creature uh, jumps into the water, gets up on that, uh, that piece that, that Victor's on, grabs the torch, and sets the pyre ablaze himself with it. Uh, and he looks peaceful for the first time in his life as the flames kind of grow around him. He looks happy, almost. Um, and finally, the first mate asks for a third time, what now, Captain? Have and Walton says, Home. Have you seen enough signs from God yet, Captain? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the, last, the last shot I really quite like is as the ship departs, um, you can see through the fog uh, the fire dying down. Mm-hmm. And finally it does, and all that is left is fog. And I kind of like both the, the literal, like, yep, that's it, that's the story. But also the symbolic, like, some things are not meant to be discovered. Mm. Let the fog be. Mm. Um, But that, my dears, is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Indeed. Yeah. Having gone through it again, uh, Ben, was there anything that you wanted to Um, critique or analyze or philosophize? uh, Well, just a couple details that stood out to me. I thought it was a very striking and dramatic shot in the very early moments of the film after um, Caroline, Victor's mother, Mm -hmm. dies when um, Dr. Frankenstein, uh, a.k.a. Bilbo Baggins, is covered in blood and kind of just collapses into kind of, like, almost in a fetal position. But, like, just the the image of him covered in blood, that, like, striking red against this very, very grand uh, white marble staircase, I thought was a very striking image. And then they doubled down and did it one better in the the finale of the movie when Victor is carrying uh, the deceased Elizabeth up those very same stairs and she's wrapped in this you know this red silk blanket or gown with just the longest possible train yeah. it's very dramatic very gorgeous shot um, so that jumped out at me um, the other thing was just I thought um, you know it was very it was a very strange Robert De Niro I, I was gonna say what did you think of Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro was, as the creature I thought it was very strange but I thought it was very good I mean not too surprisingly, I suppose he's Robert De Niro, right? One of the best actors of the you know past half century, but uh, but yeah. maybe not the actor you immediately think of for Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, I thought it yeah. was I thought it was an interesting choice. I liked him. I I liked when we got to that ice cave scene between him and Victor. The 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 sort of um, 
clumsiness, I think, of the monster definitely kind of faded a little bit there so that he could really, like, get his teeth into the conversation. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and shouts to the makeup department. He looked fantastic. He looked really good. Looked really yeah. horrible <laughs> in a, in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, no green skin and, and bolts coming out of his ears, which I was a little disappointed by, but, uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, no, it was, it was very good. Um, but yeah, so th- those were just the two things that we didn't really touch on as we were going. Uh, as far as, yeah, philosophizing goes, I don't know, I mean, yeah. It's usually your department, but uh, it's. <laughs> Fair. But it's. I mean, it was just a very sad movie and very. But like in you know, obviously very well done. Yeah. A sad story of you know. Pushing too far and reaching too far and not being able to. I think realize and own up to one's mistakes until it's too late. Um, and even then, still not in the, at least in the case of Victor. Yeah, he loses everyone, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. It is a striking there, story. There's a oh, and oh, yeah. one one small jokey thing. Mary Shelley, I think, invented fridging because she, ah. she killed Victor's mom, <laughs> and that motivated his entire journey. That's it. That's it was not Francis Bacon who invented refrigeration technology. It's, uh, uh. No, that's just little joke. It's not. To, I mean. If anything, the takeaway here should be Mary Shelley was an incredible freaking writer. Yeah. Holy crap. And all because she didn't want to hang with Lord Byron. Mm. <laughs> um, there is one shot uh, in the in the movie that um, I do wish they'd focused on a little more. They, 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 they establish early on that Victor is just enamored with electricity. You see it during the... Mm. I, I didn't mention it in the... Um, run through the, 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 the plot breakdown. Um, but he's, he's fascinated by electricity. Yes. Um, and the... Imagine if he and Nikola Tesla got in a room together. Jesus. Um, but the, uh, as, as, as the, as, as Caroline, Mrs. Frankenstein dies, uh, in the movie, uh, a bolt of lightning shatters uh, a tree mm. in 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 the main courtyard, and I remember, I seem to recall in the book, um, I don't know if that happened the same night or if it happened independently, but that that tree being struck by lightning mm. is in the book, and I remember Victor being utterly fascinated by it, because mm. yeah. um, then he he takes that one branch from it and fashions a baseball bat out of it, and um, no, sorry, wait, different different one, different movie. Carry what, on. what movie was that? Carry on. <laughs> it's uh, the Natural. It's. Uh, which I haven't seen. So it's, we yeah, can... it's, a, it's it's another one of my dumb sports movies. We'll cover it eventually. Okay. Um, Sorry, <laughs> couldn't resist. Yeah, Mary Shelley invented fridging, and me Victor and my, Frankenstein invented baseball. Yeah, my dumb jokes. Um. But yeah, no, I I I like that this uh, adaptation included his fascination with, um, shall we say, pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, alchemy and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, because the whole idea is that, like, he doesn't just want to play God. He wants to be better than God. Yeah. He wants to... He wants to... He, 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 when he's talking to... I think it's Waldman about it. He's, mm-hmm. He doesn't want to just be able to bring back people back from the dead. As you did mention in the run-through, he wants to be able to create life. But create to create life. life that is, you know, better, faster, stronger. Like, yeah. You know, smarter, all these yeah. things. And... Yeah, he he didn't listen to Waldman, and look what happened. Yeah, 
Always, um, it, when if the opportunity is presented to you, always listen to John Cleese. Always. Always do what he tells you. Um, um, would you say that Victor Frankenstein... Um, Frankenstein. <laughs> That's Frankenstein. <laughs> Young I got, Frankenstein. I got so confused there because that like came out of my mouth. I don't know how, but I felt like my brain turned off halfway, and then it's I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" Um, with this being written originally in what was it, eighteen eighteen? Yes. Uh, would you say that Victor Frankenstein is the original mad scientist? Um, I wouldn't. At least in fiction. No, um, that's a good question. I know, I know that, um, I know that Frankenstein is is arguably the first science fiction mm-hmm. novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can credit Mary Shelley with creating the genre. Sure, um, but I don't necessarily know that Victor Frankenstein is the first character to use science or natural philosophy, as it might have been called then, t- for. Mad ends. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not well versed in the. I'm not well versed in the literature of the time. Um, Fair enough. More, but, more, I suppose. Just but I suppose. Just, but I suppose to think on. Maybe. I suppose. I, I, I suppose one could argue, hmm. in the in the traditional sense of a mad scientist, if this is indeed the first science fiction novel, hmm. it could be argued that he is. I suppose was this written before or after Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde? Because he would also qualify. Um, Let's find out. If you, dear listener out there, if any of you happen to know, get in the comments, write us a review, let us know uh, what you know about the history of mad science and mad scientists Uh, before in fiction. Before the strange case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde was eighteen eighty six. Ah, so derivative. Almost, almost exactly uh, seventy years Mm. later, by Robert Louis Stevenson. Well, Stevenson ain't got nothing on Mary Shelley. It's true. It's true. Ironically, and not to you know make a note of, of, of Percy, her husband. Mm. But uh, Percy famously wrote Ozymandias, Look upon my work, ye mighty, in despair. Oh. Um, huh. Percy B. Shelley, yes, that's his poem. Um, but I don't think it was ever quite so captured. Any, I, I don't think anyone quite captured it as well as his, his, his good lady wife did. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Much love, Percy, but Mary did it better. Yeah. I certainly would say <laughs> At least so. in that sense. Fair. Well, that's all I had. All right. Well, friends, um, this has been From Under the Rock. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll join us next time as we uh, continue to watch movies that we haven't seen. Um, thank you. Yes. And good night. Good night, everyone.